For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kathy Minx. I work at Centenary United Methodist Church over in Granville. I, I serve as the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministries. I've known Kevin and Mariah, oh my goodness, many years, 15, 20 maybe? Um, we used to, once upon a time, work together. And uh, <laughs> I gotta tell just one fun, fun story about them. But only one, because they've got the goods on me too. So we, we served at Centenary together. And at the time, Kevin and Mariah, in, they were going to school. And I had three little kids, was raising my family. And we all worked in the same office. We shared an office, three desks, and this ginormous table right down the middle that really served no purpose other than to collect all of our junk. I just assisted with whatever I could, and I also helped out at that time, just part-time with uh, children's ministry. So one day I came in, and um, our office door was closed, and I thought, well, that's unusual. It's usually wide open, and you can hear them. And so I thought, oh, maybe there's a, there's a student in there, something like that. So I peeked in, and nope, they were just gathered around the laptop Kevin's laptop at his desk and kind of giggling. So I just, I opened the door and immediately they went like a little kid being caught in something they shouldn't be caught in. And I'm like, hey guys, what's up? And they go, oh, it's just Kathy. So I, I walk over to see what's got them so enthralled. And it was, um, it was a newly released music video by one CeeLo Green, that Forget You song. But when it first came out, it wasn't Forget You. And giggling, oh my goodness. And so I went, oh. These are my people. All right. And they're, they're still my people today. And much of what I've learned um, about ministry, I've learned from watching it and working with them. So yeah, some of you, if you don't know me, you may know my husband, Dave, or as I like to call him, Handsome Dave. He's here today. He's here every week while I'm uh, over at the, excuse me, the church in Granville. But occasionally, I make it over here to, to join him. Kind of funny when Kevin and Mariah and I first started working together they were in school and I was raising my family three little kids now they both have three little kids that they're raising and I'm back in school so nobody's life is a linear <laughs> path that's for sure it can happen at any time so I understand that you have all been talking about loving your neighbor and so you've been doing it for several weeks, so I think you've probably got it down pat, right? You love all the neighbors all the time? No, it's a little more difficult than that. The truth is, it's kind of difficult to love your neighbors sometimes, right? But not because of the reason you might be thinking. It might be difficult to love your neighbors because not of what your neighbor is doing, but because what's going on within you. Have you ever gotten home from a day and you think, man, that person was a jerk. Oh, that person cut me off in traffic. I nearly missed my exit. And then you realize, oh, if everyone throughout the day that I've met is a jerk, maybe I'm the jerk, <laughs> right? So we're all going through some stuff that makes it difficult for us to love our neighbors. In fact, if you're going through something right now, something that you could use a prayer for that you could use help with something that you've been struggling with by yourself if you're going through something right now just raise your hand if you would be willing to pray for your neighbor who's going through something right now raise your other hand so all the hands should be up life is tough life is tough none of us get out without 
a scar of some sort, right? That's why, um, oops, my little button got happy here. Let's back up. There we go. That's why um, we need each other, and we need to love one another. The dozen or so times that it says in the Bible, love your neighbor, what's the rest of that? Do you guys remember? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. Um, and sometimes it's difficult to love yourself, just as difficult as it can be to love your neighbor. But yeah, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but that's why God gave us each other. In fact, I'm going to let this next slide, if you could turn the volume up, speak a little more about it. Damon, if you're back there, go ahead and turn it up. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. That's right. We are in it together, together, together. But yet all of us struggle to try to figure it out on our own. And I don't know why. When you take on a friend, they can carry half your burden and they can double your joy. Or you can carry it all yourself. And that's, that's rough. That's rough. And some of you might be willing and just go, Lord, here I am. I am willing to help my neighbor. Use me. Use me to make a change in someone's life. Well, to that, I think God will sometimes say, if we're going to use you to change somebody's life, I may have to first change something within you. And that's a little more painful because change is tough. So we're going to dive in today. We're going to start way back in the beginning in Genesis, see uh, how God designed us and how we might open ourselves up to his change. So in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in it. The sun, the moon, the seas, the land, he created day and night. He created vegetation and animals, and he saw that it was good. Now for his favorite work, let us make mankind in our own image, giving reference to the Trinity, of course, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he did breathe life into Adam, and he saw that it was very good. That's how we know that we're his favorite creation. When he made everything, it was like, yeah, this is good. And then when he started to make man, he said, oh, this is very good. Each of us are very dear to him. We are very good. Scripture gets a little more specific as we go on. It is not good for man to be alone. So God created Eve. From the beginning, God created us to be in relationship with one another. He saw that being alone wasn't good for us. He probably thought, if I leave them alone too long, they're really going to get into something. So I've got to create, create a few, uh, some more people. Let's give him a helper. And he created Eve. Right now, a thousand years later, if we're left alone, I know what I do. If I'm alone too, first of all, you go, whoo, I got the remote. But after a while, your mind starts to ruminate, right? You start to replay those things in your head that you think, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. Oh, I wish I'd have said that. And it just plays on a loop. And then there's also my favorite game. This one often comes at night when you can't sleep, the what if game. Do you guys play this or is it just me? What if, yeah, what if I lose my job? What if my child is hurt? What if I get a D on a test? What if my diagnosis is cancer? So we've got fear and we've got shame. And they're two sides of the same coin. Shame often comes about when you're thinking about the past, something that's 
happened, something you've done or has been done to you, and it causes you shame. And you just play it on a loop sometimes and can't get rid of it. Fear is about the future. You've got no control over the future. The past has already happened, and you're not going to change it. So we've got shame and fear, and they can steal our joy and our peace and our freedom if we focus on them a lot. So let's get back to Genesis. God created Adam and Eve. He went on to create a beautiful garden for them to live in. It was filled with trees and vegetation and beautiful to the eye and provided all the most delicious food that their body could need. In fact, it says it was very pleasing to the eye in Genesis 2.9. And right in the middle of this beautiful place, he planted his centerpiece, the tree of life. And this was the place he created for him to gather with Adam and Eve. They're, this is where we're going to come. This is our sanctuary. This is where we get to come and be together and talk and chat. And it's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And he created it just for them. So now you're seeing we're called and designed to be in relationship with other, but also in relationship with God. And boy, they just didn't know how good they had it. Any question, could you imagine just having access anytime to God, like Google God? Hey, God, why does this work this way? How, do, do any of you have questions you think, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask about that? They could. They could do it at any time. They, oh, they had it made. Of course, we know how that, that turned out, right? <laughs> right next to the tree of life, there was another tree. And this tree was the tree of knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. And God knew this was poisonous. It would be poison to them. And he said, leave that tree alone. Don't bother it, don't look at it. Much like when you're walking through the woods with a little kid and you see leaves of three, let it be, and you go, don't touch that, it's poison, right? God told him, warned him, and just like a toddler, we're like, huh, let's see what happens, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, you do it as though life depends on it, but they didn't listen. <laughs> so on one side, we have the tree of life, which is really, if you look up here, it's the fruit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is what it's called later in the Bible in Galatians. And in the tree of life, you have things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, gentleness, all of those things that fill you up as a human being. Now, the other tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, those things, if, when eating from that tree, you're going to gather things that are just the opposite of that. You're going to have envy and jealousy and strife and judgment and restlessness and hatred and lust, all of those things. And we know, of course, what happened. They succumbed to the tree of knowledge with a little temptation from the devil. And this is what we know today as the fall. Mankind is still paying the price for the fall. And when things become difficult, loving our neighbor, loving ourselves, and loving God all became muddled by the fruit of that tree, of the tree of Satan, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden immediately. He was just so upset with them. Here I've given you everything you could possibly want, this beautiful place. You're with me. We love one another. You're free to do whatever you want. And they chose they chose the darker path. So he sent them out of the garden, locked the garden doors, and what did they feel? 
they felt shame and they also felt fear because they were like what do we do now just as we do thousands of years later so I feel like well we haven't really come a long way as a species have we there's here they are in the very beginning going through the same things that we experience now when man was exiled from the garden our relationship with God was fractured it was became so much more difficult to hear his voice. When Adam and Eve were there, they had him all the time, captive audience. But now, it's difficult to hear God's voice. It's difficult for us to find God's purpose for us and God's love for us. We start to look for it in strange and unusual places, oftentimes to no avail. I wanna share a little excerpt with you from a book that was written in 1939, The Screwtape Letters. Some of you may have read C.S. Lewis, but it was originally written right around, of course, World War II, and he wrote one letter each week and submitted to a, a weekly publication, and afterwards, after all the letters were written, they compiled them into a book, and you could still read it today. In the book, if you haven't read it, Screwtape is an uncle that is writing a letter to his nephew. However, Screwtape is also a high-ranking demon that belongs to Satan. And he is training his nephew on how to also become a demon. And his nephew is charged with winning souls over to the dark side. Screwtape is writing the letters to tell him how to do this. And the nephew says to his uncle, he says, uncle, what is our plan? And Uncle Screwtape answers, our plan is really simple. We make the noise of man's world so loud he can no longer hear the voice of God. Now, if that was the case in 1938, imagine how much more difficult it is today. We have bright lights everywhere that will confuse day and night for us sometimes. We have smartphones, we have internet, social media, we have artificial intelligence that will simulate any human experience you want. We have substances that alter our mood and our behavior and avatars that alter our appearance if we don't like how we look. All of those things. Now, in gaming, oh, online, you can talk to anyone, anywhere, anytime. All of those things in and of themselves aren't bad things at all. Some of them are a lot of fun to play with, right? I'm not saying it's bad, but through research and technology and the brilliance of the human brain, those things have saved countless lives. But when we choose to use them incorrectly, it also costs lives and relationships with one another and relationships with God. Brothers and sisters, our world is so loud and it's getting louder every day. So we have to be intentional about finding God's voice in all of this noise. We can't expect God to be the source of our peace if the world is our source of satisfaction. I'll say that again. We can't expect God to be the source of our peace when the world is the source of our satisfaction. So we need to practice turning down the noise of the world, being still, and listening for God. We have a choice. We can draw from the tree of life, or we can draw from the tree of good and evil. Which tree do you want to eat from? Yes, it's difficult, but let me tell you, there's good news. Genesis starts out, and as you know, the Old Testament can have some scary stuff in it, but then we get to the Gospels, and this is where the good news comes. Jesus came 
He came and taught the world how to love one another and how to love God, and therefore makes it easier to love ourselves. Not only did he come to teach us how to live, but he also came and showed us how to die. He died to atone your sin. And he came into our muddied lives and cleaned up clean. That muddy water is clear as can be now. You can drink from it. Drink from it deeply because that's what Jesus did for us. According to the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, at that moment when Christ died and said, it is finished, the temple curtain tore in half from the top to the bottom. Now in those days, the temple, you can see in the top corner is just a picture of the temple from the outside. The curtain veil, the temple curtain, is that purple drape down the middle. Behind it was something called the Holy of Holies, and that was thought to be where God lived. And only one person went in there once a year. That was the high priest. He would go in there. None of us were, none of the ordinary people were allowed to go back there. We weren't good enough. We weren't clean enough. So we could not go and meet with God in the Holy of Holies. But when Christ died, that curtain tore from the top to the bottom for two reasons. It tore from the top to bottom because then they would know that no man did that, that it was an act of God. And also to open up the Holy of Holies, to allow anyone to go in there. It was not cut off from anyone anymore. We all have access to God. And there's where our good news is. We have access to God. Excuse me. It doesn't stop there. Jesus was, of course, as you know, resurrected, and he walked around after his resurrection for 40 days or so, and then he ascended to sit at the right hand of God. But before he left us, he said, I've got to go now, but first of all, I'll be back. We're all waiting on that. But I'm going to leave something for you, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in Galatians tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. And he will, the Holy Spirit will live within you. So guess what? Jesus left a little piece of that tree of life within each of us. It's in us at all times. It's an untapped reservoir. So why we are left alone does our mind go to the shame and the fear and the what ifs and not to the good memories and the possibilities and the love because we're human and fear and shame can get a grip on us. It's one of those things that um, Satan will use to steal your joy, to steal your love, to steal your peace. So here's what we're going to do. We all have already said we're going through something and we are willing to pray for our neighbor who is also going through something to love them. I'm going to ask Kevin and Courtney to come up here in a minute and um, they're going to share a song with us. But before we go to song, I'm going to ask you, I've had to step out a little bit into a scary space today. This is my first sermon and I thank you for sharing it with me. But now I'm going to ask you to also step out and try something new. First of all, I want everybody to put your phones down, turn them off, put them out of sight where you can't see them. If you've got a smartwatch on, take it off, set it down so that it's not buzzing on your wrist. We want to go to God, and we don't want any distractions. We want to be able to go to him, and we want to tell him those things that we raised our hands about. You go to him, and you tell him, Father, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know if I'm going to make my rent this month. I don't know if I'm going to have a job in three weeks. I don't know 
what this lump is in my arm. Whatever it is, give it to the Lord, lay it down. Then I want you to go and pray for the person sitting next to you, your neighbor. We all had our hands up. We were all willing to do it. So we're going to just go for one minute, total silence. Give it to God. Everybody take a deep breath in. Let it out nice and slow. Quiet your minds. Quiet your hearts. Quiet your body. Dear Heavenly Father, here are your sons and daughters. Hear our prayers. I don't know about you, but I feel so blessed, a little lighter. Maybe I could go into the world and love my neighbor a little more because I love God, and that allows me to love myself. Let me just say that I hadn't planned to do this, but this feels so good. I don't want to lose this feeling, right? So I'll make a deal with you. Just for this week, nothing big. First thing in the morning, 10 minutes, let's give God our first fruits. First 10 minutes of the day, let's give it to God. And that might just be still and listen for his voice before the noise of the world comes in and steals your joy and peace. Might be reading your Bible, might be praying for that neighbor that needs prayer. And then, you know, we'll see how we feel when we come back next Sunday. Couldn't hurt. Let's see what happens.